You know what that sound means. Welcome to the most interesting part of your day. An exciting episode of the Metaphysical Mysteries with your intrepid hosts, Dr. Terry Trubla and Tom Greenhall. Always finding the seekers in this world and reporting it directly to you, the free and the brave. We encourage all of our fans to check out our website at www.themetaphysicalmysteries.com where we have more content and reference items, links to many of our amazing and cutting-edge guests. We are excited to have you with us again. And as you know, this is the must-do podcast for anybody who is anybody in the metaphysical field. We cover everything from ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, amazing healing sciences, and leading technologies that are simply the coolest. We'll bring in researchers, doctors, and authors, and give you content that you cannot get anywhere else. Check out our latest merchandise and proudly wear and use the Metaphysical Mysteries clothing and accessories. Now, on with our next episode. Hello, folks. Hey, this is Dr. Terry and Tom here at the Metaphysical Mysteries, the most interesting part of your day. And we have with us a fantastic guest, Kathleen Martin, who is uh, known for research in UFOs, an author of six books. And what many of you may remember uh, was her uncle and aunt, um, Betty and Barney. Okay, they were back in the day. I mean, you had the the, uh, whole Roswell incident. And then Betty and Barney Hill uh, were actually picked up you know, supposedly in a UFO as the report happens and the hypnotherapy brought out a lot more of it. And I think that's kind of a next big block. You went from Roswell over to your aunt and uncle, in my opinion. Uh, And this was a close encounter of the third kind or fourth kind, I guess they're calling them five kinds now. So um, we're, we're extremely happy to have you here, Kathleen. And thank you. Great to be with you today. Absolutely. You want to give us a little of your background because this became a family affair for you, um, maybe whether you wanted it or not. But Well, it did. I was uh, 13 years old when my aunt and uncle took that surprise trip that he was giving to her um, to Montreal. And uh, first they stopped in Niagara Falls and then went up to a couple of days later to Montreal and then uh, we're going to spend the night there, but decided to drive home through New Hampshire at night. And as they were heading south on Route 3 in upstate New Hampshire, uh, Betty saw a new light in the sky that uh, soon came in very, very close. Uh, it, they'd been watching it for about a half hour at this point. They'd gotten out to look at it a couple of times and could see that it was rotating, it was lighted on one side, Uh, it was unconventional because it was just sitting there in the sky silently. And then they're back in the car heading south on Route 3 when this craft surges ahead and stops over the highway. Just uh, for my uncle not to stop directly underneath it, he had to stop in the middle of the highway. Uh, He got out of the car, the door was open. He's looking up at this craft with binoculars that he'd had on his seat. And 
he could see this lighted row of windows and then he stepped back away from the car and the craft shifted to an adjacent field that was just to the east of him. And so he went to the edge of the field to look at it, trying to identify it. He was not going to say that this was a flying saucer. That's what they were calling them in those days. Right. Um, he did not believe this was even possible. Uh, but as he looked up through binoculars, uh, and this is all conscious recall at this point, not brought out through hypnosis for the first time. Right. He observed figures looking back at him. They were dressed in black shiny uniforms. Uh, one appeared to have something on his head that Barney thought was a cap. But in my years of research and investigation, I've been able to acquire a few photographs, clear photographs of these ETs. And uh, they're wearing headgear. So what he saw must have been some kind of headgear that they were wearing. Uh, all but one walked to a panel when that happened. This little red light started to slide out on fin-like structures. Something started to drop down out of the bottom of the craft. I also have a photograph of actual video of that. That is the carrier beam that people get absorbed into when they're taken up to craft. And he began to panic. He thought that they were going to capture him. He said, like a bug in a net. And he pulled the binoculars away from his eyes so forcefully uh, that the strap broke. And he ran back to the car screaming to Betty that they had to get out of there or they were going to be captured. He went speeding down the highway. When he had gotten into the car, he saw the craft coming in his direction. And within moments, he and Betty heard a series of code-like buzzing sounds striking the trunk of the vehicle. It made their car vibrate and they felt a tingling sensation through their bodies. The next thing they knew, they were 35 miles down the highway and they heard these buzzing sounds again. It restored them to full consciousness and they had memories of finding themselves on a dirt road. They didn't know where or when that occurred, of a roadblock, of a fiery orb that seemed to be sitting on the ground. And they went back to that place time and time again, just looking for that place and didn't find it until after they'd had their hypnosis sessions and right. could remember precisely where it was. But when they arrived home, uh, it was at least two hours later than it should have been. Uh, I have Betty's watch that she was wearing that night. Their watches had stopped and never worked again. But when she arrived home, she set her watch to the time on her house clock, and it was says 516. And she wound it, but it never worked again. Her dress was torn in several places. Barney's best dress shoes were so deeply scraped that he had to buy new shoes. Uh, there was a lot of distressing evidence uh, and no conscious recall for what had happened. There were shiny spots in the trunk of the car where they heard those buzzing sounds. And when they placed a compass over those spots, the needle would spin and spin, indicating there was a magnetic field there. 
So uh, it was it was very interesting for me, but I just, you know, I went on and I did the mainstream thing. I went to college. I went into psychiatric social work. I then went into uh, education, taught school. I was an education services coordinator. And then I became ill <laughs> in about 1990 and had to decide what I was going to do. Well, you know, when I went to college initially, I wanted to be a writer. I just loved writing. And but my Aunt Betty was a social worker for the state of New Hampshire. And she said, oh, Kathy, do something practical. You'll be able to retire from the state of New Hampshire with a pension and you'll have medical insurance. And and so I said, OK, <laughs> she said, you'll never make a living as a writer. Don't do it. And so uh, here I was disabled and that's what I could do. I could do it on my own time. Right. And so I decided that I wanted to investigate my aunt and uncle's case. My uncle had died at age 46. He was no longer around. This was in 1969 when he died. Um, but here it is like 1988 probably. When I'm we want to, we want to point out this all took place in 1961, correct? That's correct. Okay. In 1961. <laughs> yes, that's yes. been a while ago. Uh huh. Yeah. So um, here it is, 1988, and I uh, joined the Mutual UFO Network. I uh, studied to become a field investigator. I passed the exam, and I used those skills to investigate my aunt and uncle's case. I also uh, went through that route they took that night time and time again, measuring the distance, the, the miles per hour they were driving. I took a skeptical approach and I did everything by the book in the investigation. Is there a prosaic explanation for this missing time? Is there some kind of explanation for the evidence? And uh, Betty gave me the hypnosis tapes. They had 10 hours of hypnosis with neuropsychiatrist, Dr. Benjamin Simon. He was renowned in his field. Um, the, uh, he had set up the psych neuropsychiatric unit at the Mason General Hospital during World War II. He was a colonel in the army. and. Uh, he had a great deal of success treating uh, veterans returning from the war with shell shock, conversion hysteria, uh, that sort of thing. Barney had conversion hysteria. He had nearly died from a bleeding ulcer uh, that resulted from his strong emotional reaction to this UFO event and all of the questions surrounding it. And uh, so he wanted to forget about it, but my Aunt Betty wouldn't let him. She was a lot like me, very curious. And so uh, he ended up very ill in the hospital, had to take a leave of absence from his job. And he was referred to Dr. Simon, who uh, was uh, an excellent psychiatrist who used deep trance hypnosis with Barney to assist him in working through what had occurred to him. And he recovered. And Betty went along with him. She wanted hypnosis too. 
And so Dr. Simon agreed to see her separately. He uh, took them separately and reinstated amnesia at the end of each session. So they could not compare notes. They couldn't even remember what they stated until at the end of their therapy, he sat them down together and played all of the tapes for them. And they talked about them. But uh, this was very interesting to me because there was speculation that Betty had uh, a series of dreams and that she had told Barney everything about her dreams and that he had absorbed that information and relived it under hypnosis. I wanted to do a comparative analysis on this. So I wasn't a very good typist in those days, but I uh, transcribed their hypnosis tapes and I lined them up sentence by sentence, descriptive detail by descriptive detail from the beginning of their trip until days after they arrived home. And uh, what I discovered is that it was a real event. The information uh, that each revealed was not even in Betty's dreams. There was information that was extraordinarily interesting to me. Yeah. And so uh, well, I, I think I've done the most thorough analysis of anybody. Well, yeah, you mean, clearly you have uh, personal uh, interest in this but even even for 19 early 1960s and then later on when you you know jumped in on that this was pretty thorough analysis in comparison to even now i mean a lot of times these kind of things aren't done so i think to take you know high quality people like dr simon and plug him into this whole situation and really pull out the stuff from separate you know and uh, hypnosis sessions that that was pretty cutting edge for the time i mean it this was flying saucers were just getting into the movies you know and and that sort of thing and it was all new so for them to take that and you following up um that's that's amazing i, I do want to point out to the listeners though um kathleen is also a lifetime achievement award from the has a lifetime achievement award she got it in 2021 from the world ufo congress and and having won a lifetime achievement award myself in a completely different genre i congratulate you because that is um that's a big deal and so thank you yeah i mean just for the listeners so if you're listening who is this we're talking to not beyond being the niece she is also in her own right a lifetime achievement award winner in this field of uh you know research into the ufo phenomenon and more so i just want to point that out and then i, I would say you know listen the White Mountains is where this took place in New Hampshire. Now, Tommy, you go up there a lot. Yeah, you haven't seen any UFOs up there, have you? No, I keep my eyes open. I'm not looking for any backseat passages if I can help it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have seen UFOs up there, and I have investigated uh, an abduction case up there as well for the Mutual UFO Network. Very interesting. Fascinating yeah, stuff. Pretty remote spots up there amongst the mountains, so definitely places to tuck in absolutely well i'll tell the listeners too now you can you can hop on to uh you know any youtube channels and so forth and, and just you know google up you know betty and barney hill and you're going to get some fascinating stuff obviously our wonderful guest here has done many other appearances in other places talking about the whole story um you know but 
you've really kind of branched off into your own research. I mean, six books. Can you tell us a little bit about where those books came from and where you're at now? Absolutely. I uh, became fascinated with UFOs after and during the time that I was doing this research and investigation. I even went to archival collections uh, with this, I was working with nuclear physicist Stanton Friedman uh, from 2005 until it was published in 2007 uh, on doing additional research. And Stanton and I found that we worked together very well because my background is in social science, his was uh, in physical science. And the two of us putting our heads together uh, were a great team in, in the perspectives that we could offer. So uh, he and I ended up writing two additional books. Uh, sci the, fir the first one was Captured, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience, which I updated in 2021 with new evidence, the new scientific evaluation of the evidence, um, and witnesses to the event as well. Then uh, we did Science Was Wrong, and from there, and, and that was about the history of science for the past 150, more than that now, years. And then uh, we did a great deal of research in archives, and especially in uh, Philadelphia at the American Philosophical Society, where the uh, disinformants, skeptics, debunkers, whatever you want to call them, uh, have their correspondence files. And we ended up writing the book Fact, Fiction, and Flying Saucers based upon our years of archival research. Uh, and this is about the history of government involvement in the investigation of UFOs, their major studies, the findings, the decision to cover up their findings, and those who were involved in the cover-up and what they did to every major case. Uh, then um, I ended up uh, also specializing in the field of UFO abduction. So I uh, wrote a book called um, The Alien Abduction Files with Denise Stoner, who was one of the people who was had a major case she was working with me in the Mutual UFO Network, and she and her husband were taken to craft during a trip. It reminded me initially of what happened to Betty and Barney Hill. Lots of evidence, highly credible people. Uh, I even went out to Colorado. That's where they were living at the time and, and uh, did an investigation out there. And she has had many, and he has too, follow up. Uh, times where they've been taken to craft uh, repeatedly. And so that was really fascinating. I also wrote of a very important case in the state of New Hampshire, probably the best case I had up there, and several other cases, six cases in all. You might have heard of a Tom and Matthew Reed case, an intergenerational family abduction. I investigated that, wrote on that as well. So that's the alien abduction files. Uh, from there, I did uh, extraterrestrial contact, 
what to do when you've been abducted. And uh, this was part of my work that I was doing. I was the uh, founder and director of the Mutual UFO Networks Experiencer Research Team for 10 years. Now, well, and, I'm going to stop you there. So, okay. so much to unload here. Okay. <laughs> so, um, an experiencer is somebody who's actually interacted with what we would consider aliens, correct? That's right. And I use the word experiencer because uh, people started to contact MUFON and me and say, you should not be using the word abductee because it implies that people have been kidnapped and they've had a terrible time. That's not true. Um, it happens to some people. Some people have horrible experiences, but uh, for most people, it's not that bad. And there are some who are even having good experiences and, and want there, to continue. Is so, there a single you know, common denominator in this stuff? I mean, some denominator that everybody experiences during this, or are they all across the, across the board different? Um, well, the... They're sort of different, but there is uh, a procedure that has been used for years. It's not really being used that much anymore, but people like Betty and Barney might see the craft or they might, uh, these ETs might have been taking people across generations already and they just come to people's homes, uh, even taking young children. Um, so uh, it could be happening from the time they're born. Uh, and then they're, they're taken to craft. They are generally given some kind of physical procedure. Uh, tissue samples might be taken. These ETs are extraordinarily uh, concerned about toxins in the human body, environmental toxins. They're extraordinarily concerned about nuclear waste and, and nuclear war, that sort of thing. Um, they, so they do a number of uh, physiological things. They might insert uh, an implant into a person's body. We used to think they were tracking devices, but uh, we think that it's more than that now, that they're probably communication devices, and they can also uh, monitor the health of the human body. As older experiencers become ill, they're taken to an ET environment and healed oftentimes. Wow, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I've, seen, I've seen some of the videos where they've removed the little chips and so forth. And mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, we do a lot of interviews with psychic mediums and I've had several of them tell me, you know, well, this person has a chip and this one doesn't. And they, when they do now, whether that's true or not, they can scan that. I have no idea if that's accurate or not, but I have heard them have that communication. I mean, I've heard, stood right there and watched them say, this person has a chip and this one doesn't, that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. it makes me wonder from just a scientific point of view, especially if they're doing multi-generations, is there a DNA component they're watching or is it no different than what we would do with a taking samples of African lions to see if they're picking up toxics or toads or frogs, you know, and we're just trying to see how the environment is doing. I mean, what, what's your take on that? Well, it appears that they're very interested in our DNA. They extract reproductive material from men and women. Uh, thousands of experiencers state that they have observed uh, 
these uh, sort of half human, half ETs being uh, raised in, in gestational tanks brought to maturity. And then the experiencers are taken onto craft and uh, are, help hold these babies and bond with them. These are all reports. It's impossible for any of us to know scientifically if this is true. We, have, we don't have the scientific evidence for this, but uh, I've met the children born on this planet of a few experiencers. And these are the kids that we think of as indigo children. They're just outstanding uh, children, highly intelligent. They might be psychic. They might ha they'll have a lot of different gifts. Um, so maybe something's going on there, but either that or it's just a fluke that these very special children are born into these families of experiencers. Yeah. Tommy, uh, you have something on this? Yeah, I have a question for you, Kathleen. Yes. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the encounters seem to be around analyzing the human body. Is there any of these encounters where they're imparting a message to the person that they want to bring forth to you know, the human race? Oh, absolutely. That's a part of it. And they've been doing that for years. And I don't know why it hasn't really been uh, promoted uh, among the general public. But uh, the, the primary messages that they're giving is that uh, they have uh, monitored the human race uh, from the beginning of time. Uh, our time, that is, and uh, that they uh, come back from time to time to assist in our development. They uh, came back and remained here when uh, we started detonating nuclear weapons. They've said that uh, this tears into the time-space fabric and causes damage out into other dimensions. And so they're very concerned about us uh, as destructive uh, people. And they uh, are extraordinarily concerned about uh, nuclear war. They, they even, they don't know a lot about us because they traumatize children and adults by showing images of nuclear war and people's faces melting off and people dying, that sort of thing. Um, trees yeah. blowing down, you know, just some terrible images. This, uh, this, this crosses so many lines in the metaphysical field. I mean, I, I'm thinking of, you know, because as a master hypnotherapist myself, you know, mm -hmm. that's part of it. I'm, as a minister, um, you know, people want to know, do these things that are half alien, half human, do they have a soul or is a soul even a thing? And then there's the reincarnation groups. Uh, and it, are these things coming to make sure that they can incarnate? Um, are they incarnating? And, and what do they look like? And, you know, are they regular humans? Which, of course, they would be. But, you know, this this just caught, crosses a lot of genres. Um, and you, I guess you guys in your field have to kind of categorize what you're working with, correct? I mean, you can't go doing eight different. I mean, it'd be very difficult. Yeah, I guess you could. But don't you don't people in the MUFON world and likewise kind of specialize in certain things? We absolutely do. It's impossible to be a generalist in this field 
and uh, research and, and even come close to finding answers. So you have to become highly specialized in a particular area. And you're right, um, you know, it's, it's not all by the same species uh, or the same race. Uh, there are, even among the greys, which is the most prevalent race, there are variations and differences in behavior and uh, their modus operandi, their goals, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, the general idea is there that uh, they have lost their ability to reproduce and they need human re reproductive material. Um, I do, I've had many, many reports of people who have been taken to craft and they have been shown sort of holographic scenes that will uh, invoke or evoke very strong emotions. And then uh, these ETs remove uh, tissue from like their adrenal glands, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so they're, they are removing uh, things from our bodies I don't know if it's because they need them, because they might have lost their emotions too, or precisely what they're doing. I think that they're uh, keeping some of these hybrids and even bringing them to the point of being very much like humans on uh, in their own environment and uh, working to upgrade us. And that's a message they give to people, that they are attempting to uh, move us ahead on an evolutionary scale uh, because uh, we have this problem with uh, being destructive and greedy and, and uh, engaging in warfare all the time, that sort of thing. Well, if you yeah. do go back to a lot of researchers, they will go way, way back, you know, way beyond the building of the pyramids and talk about you know, the inky and, and so forth, adjusting DNA to put us in a homo sapien sapien status, and that we were then given their, the ability to reproduce ourselves and so forth. And then, of course, they have since exited, at least from regular walking around life. Um, a lot of people believe that they're coming through um, consciousness, um, you know, having those transfers of data and information while you sleep or in trance or meditation or whatnot. Um, there is there is so much of that to, to you know, go through uh, and try to analyze. I mean, and of course, there's different places across the, the world with, uh, you know, a crossroads of energy, vortexes, all this sort of thing. Um, I'm even going to take you out to Skinwalker Ranch and sets out, you know, obviously with its own show and so forth. Um, from, I don't know how much you've watched that or seen that. Do you have a, do you have a theory on what's going on out there at Skinwalker? Cause that's something that's in the news right now. Well, uh, I, I have a bit of a theory okay. on that and, uh, through my research and an experimentation as well, I'm, uh, aware that there are portals and that these, uh, some of these ETs, I don't know if it's all of them or not, but they, come through portals, they're interdimensional. They say they're fifth and sixth dimensional. And uh, out of the Skinwalker Ranch, there's all sorts of activity going on, positive, negative, and everything in between. And what the ETs have told us is that uh, once 
these portals are opened and not necessarily by them, it might be by us. And it might even be through detonating nuclear weapons that uh, all sorts of things come through interdimensionals, both positive and negative. So you've had some very highly negative activity that has made a lot of news about there, um, out there. And um, the federal investigators who went there to do research ended up uh, suddenly finding themselves in a state of terror. And they were they were confused because they didn't realize what had triggered this. Uh, something can impose that feeling on humans. And when that happens, these entities can attach to these humans. And unless they can raise their vibrational level again, they can take these entities home with them. And that's what these federal investigators did. They uh, took them home. They were uh, waking them up at the ETs or whatever, maybe just negative interdimensionals were waking them up at night, hovering shadowy figures over their beds that had never happened before. They were taking their children, uh, spreading out through their family with these attachments. So it was kind of a horror show for them and they didn't really know what to do about it. Yeah, I, I totally get that because I have interacted with a lot of people who have had very similar stuff. I do dream analysis as well. And, you know, I do uh, exorcisms and that sort of things. And of course, you know, the old the old saying and the, the debate is, uh, you know, with uh, churchy church people is what I call them. Um, it's a demon, you know, uh, but other people say, no, it's an alien. And then scientific people say, no, it's just low vibrational attachment all of which is saying pretty much the same thing. You've got something on you, around you, either oppressing you or possessing you, which is very rare, um, that is causing uh, problems, not only for your environment, but you personally and possibly your loved ones. And so raising the vibration is typically the answer uh, to expulsion of those lower energies. High vibration always boots out low vibration. They, they can't stand to be around that. And what names you put to it or what song and dance you do to get rid of it, that's a belief system that you're socially conditioned to believe since you were really little, typically. Um, and so I want people to understand, I don't care how people interpret it. If you get one of these things on you, you need to seek professional help. And honestly, when I say professional help, I would like to say you could go to your psychologist and psychiatrist, but I honestly, in my true God, I can't tell you that because they're not trained in that kind of stuff. You really kind of need to reach out to somebody like MUFON and go, okay, do you have some providers that might be able to assist me in what I believe is a situation? Not that I'm saying not go to your doctor. I'm not saying don't go to your psychiatrist. I'm just saying you end up with funny pills and to try to numb it rather than fix it. And I, you're smiling, so I'm quite yes. sure that you've uh, run into I this. I shouldn't be smiling, but I am. Yes. I'm thinking about how this has happened, you know, time and time again to, to people. And uh, if you go to my website, I, I actually have some um, binaural beats. It's all free. It's right off from YouTube that you can listen to. There is guided meditations to raise the vibration. Um, and so many people look for a shaman 
or a minister, um, somebody from the clergy. The, we have the paranormal clergy, um, right. not in MUFON, but it, it's it's there in many states. But it's growing. Uh, yes. I mean, the this problem is really growing in in this country at least, and in, I've heard it's growing in Europe too. So uh, it's important to have resources, a uh, person to go to. The Mutual UFO not Network doesn't have much of a list of people. I guess that some states probably, they've encountered this so many times that they probably do have a few people anyway mm -hmm. who can, they can refer people to. Tommy, you, you get a lot in your, in your work, same as mine, with attachments, so to speak. Um, is there, I don't know if yours has come across that it's alien or you don't even care. What, what's the story? Yeah, I've never gone deep, deep enough to figure out the origins of them. You know, I just want to get them off the person so they can carry on and bring balance back to their life the way it should be. So. That's really important. Now, Dadini Stoner and Paul Eno are our uh, specialists in this on the ERT, the MUFON's Experiencer Resource Team. So if you go to the Experiencer Resource Team and and tell them your problem, then you could uh, probably talk with one of them and they might be able to give you some assistance with that. I picked up one of them when I was working with an experiencer one time. And uh, I, I, I have to tell you, I was so curious to find out what these draconian reptilians really were that I went beyond what I would normally do. And I knew I was treading on dangerous ground. And uh, this man gave me information that was so horrific. It lowered my vibration just enough that I could feel all of that positive energy leave my body. And it was like a black cloud was hanging over me immediately. And it started to make me sick. It interrupted my sleep. It, it was just horrible. And so I did have it removed. And thank goodness it was, it was gone immediately after I had it removed. Now, let's go to, I'm, this, will, this will go to one of your books, but two, two questions, two parts. Um, first off, if you see a UFO, I mean, what you think is UFO or UAP, as they're calling them now, um, what the hell do you do? And then secondly, if you become uh, an experiencer on purpose or otherwise, um, what do you do there? So kind of a two-part question. You're the expert. What, what does somebody do who just stumbles across a, a situation and next thing you know, they're on a craft looking back at earth or something, who knows? <laughs> well, if you have a close encounter with a craft, 500 feet or less in the distance, or even a thousand feet, and you get a really good look at it, if you if you happen to have your cell phone there, you could even get a photograph of it. Try to get a really clear photograph. Um, lights in the sky, some distant light in the sky. It could be just about anything. There's a lot up there. And, you know, there are a lot of people who are just hoping and praying that they are going to see a UFO and they just misinterpret. That's most cases are misinterpretations. Uh, but if it's close, try to get evidence. Uh, if you find yourself uh, being taken to craft, 
then uh, you should contact the Mutual UFO Network and uh, ask to speak to somebody from MUFON's experience or resource team. You can also have an investigation. You can do both things. But it's really important, uh, regardless of whether you find out that the experience was positive or negative, you're probably going to be experiencing trauma or anxiety at least. And so you want some support, some help, someone that you can go to to talk to. And uh, that's just really important. In my book, Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted, uh, it is a book written for experiencers, those who care about experiencers, um, the general public and mental health professionals who work with experiencers as well. So um, that book is chock full of information for experiencers of contact. You can uh, learn how to investigate your own case, how to collect evidence, uh, the stages that we go through as we process these experiences, uh, how you become more psychic as a result of this, how you might become an empath, how uh, the paranormal might enter your life for the first time, paraphysical phenomena such as light orbs in your home or the feeling that something unseen is walking on your bed. Um, so uh, and even if you want it to stop, you can't tolerate this any longer. There are suggestions on how to make it end in that book as well. So a gotcha. lot of information. There is a, a little questionnaire at the end of every chapter so that you can uh, fill it out and uh, it will help you to process what has occurred. Gotcha. We also have a list of approved hypnotherapists, psychotherapists, uh, who work specifically with experiencers. It's important to go to someone who knows about this, because uh, if you just go to any hypnotist, you might come out being more traumatized than you were in the beginning. Absolutely. Well, we had uh, a gentleman on the uh, podcast and we called it the modern day witch burning. And all he was doing was recording his observations that were in the metaphysical field. And it got weaponized against him by a family member. And he ended up in the, in the nut house. Oh they, my gosh. The courts put him in. He was in there for what was a couple of weeks, wasn't it, Tom? At least two. Yeah. Wow. And uh, he had a phenomenal background uh, in law enforcement. In fact, perfectly normal in every way. Known him for 30 years or more. And uh, it, it just people need to be cautious about who they're talking to. And because the typical psychologist, psychiatrist is clearly not trained in any of this stuff. That's why having a resource and then a, a, an ability to refer to somebody is uh, really important in these cases, I feel. And I, I've certainly come across a number of things. I know, um, Kathleen, we've talked off the air and stuff. And I've got a photo I'll have to show you off the air as well that is... Uh, uh, pretty interesting. I think you'll get a kick out of that. But for the for folks that are looking for some unusual photos, we do have some on the website. And, and just also for the listeners, we are going to put all Kathleen's information on the website and links into her books where you can get them. 
all that'll be on there. Uh, so take a look at that. I don't want you to miss out on the opportunity to get the resources that you need um, as you're listening to us and, and wondering, you know, you know, are these UFOs real? Are they not? Well, the world's coming to uh, conclusions. I mean, in, in the legal terms, we have the preponderance of evidence, which is like 51% in your mind that that's correct. And then there's the beyond a reasonable doubt, which is above 90% in your mind, is it correct? And I clearly believe we're way beyond the preponderance of evidence, um, the amount, amount of stuff that's been amassed in a scientific way, as well as you know, in, in just observation and so forth, anecdotal ways. Uh, but I think it's getting to the point that a lot of people already believe it's way above 90% that this is a real thing. And I get it, the people that are in your line of work are, you know, generally at that 90 percentile, at least, if not 100, and especially the experiencers. So I, I don't want to ever say that that's not accurate. I just know that, as you know, sorting through the naysayers and the people who didn't see it themselves, and you're never going to convince everybody until they are on a craft themselves and floating out towards who knows where, and then they go, oh, I guess you guys were right. You know, that kind of stuff. It's kind of like when we do uh, psychic medium stuff and and there's some uh, family member who didn't believe in any of that and they die and then they're coming through and they're going, yeah, you know, you were right. <laughs> this is exactly what it is. And I think uh, in, in this situation, it's somewhat similar. But, um, I, you know, I did uh, have a little talk to you about um, an individual, well, several of them, but uh, that had experiences with a craft actually landing in their backyard, um, which has never actually been publicized anywhere. Uh, and then they had seven crafts within two weeks, seven crafts leave the immediate area. Uh, and uh, another family member saw them uh, speeding away into the sky. And, um, and the first family member also saw that, that, that had experienced the landing situation. And then I talked about another uh, woman who had um, what was praying mantis type individuals um, that are um, lurking about from time to time. Uh, and so I, I want people to understand some of the folks that were, that I'm connected to in that have been in government and some of, you know, a lot of things that are deep, let's just put it that way. You know, there, there's multiple, multiple different reports of different types of quote unquote aliens. And you really need to get a basic science understanding of dimensions, what that is, what it's not, and you know how energy shifts from one dimension to another and quantum physics is getting there. They're, they're making some strides that are amazing. Uh, and if people, they just have to be educated into this. So when you say they're going from a portal from one dimension to another, uh, then, which is correct, but you got to back the average Joe six pack up and say, here's what a dimension actually is. Uh, a portal means this, and they're moving from here to here. Because uh, the one I remember a lot is a lady who was sitting in her, um, or standing washing dishes in her, in her kitchen. And all of a sudden, bingo, a full blown um, reptilian type thing showed up standing there, bipedal, standing there. And he's looking at her and she's looking at it. And she goes, Ah, and he goes, ah, they both, they both were kind of <laughs> startled by each other. And then all of a sudden, poof, she disappears. So did he actually disappear or just slid into another dimension and sharing space? And if people understood what they were sharing with, uh, it would be a little different world, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. And, you know, it's just so, so perplexing and uh, complicated. 
it really is very complicated. It to, is a complicated. When you was a try to understand all of this, it took me years to wrap my head around uh, the uh, the dimensions. Uh, I just couldn't imagine what it was like. I was a nuts and bolts researcher for the first 20 years or so. And then finally, I couldn't deny it any longer. Yes, absolutely. You know, and as a investigator, that's what I did for 30 years. Um, and then went into this field, which is also investigation. So I took those skills from actual police investigations, just slid them over into metaphysical investigations, very, very similar stuff, actually, and use those principles. You, you know, you, you start going down the line and you get this clue and then this clue and then this clue. And pretty soon it runs you down the primrose path and you eventually get to the point of going, bingo, here's my target. This is the real thing. And this is what I've discovered. And then you try to put a, put a case together for that. And I know MUFON, that's, you know, they teach their investigators, the people that maybe weren't investigators in, in their normal life, how to do that in a, in a very responsible way. And uh, I do know one, or I guess he's kind of quasi-retired from it, but we've had long discussions and he just saw a big three-pointed, like uh, triangular looking uh, thing. It was like 10, 10 PM. Uh, he went out to let the dog, you know, do his business. And he looked up and there, there it was. And he was like, holy cow. And it was huge. And nobody else reported it. He was standing there and he, and he, he goes, I was so involved in looking at it. I didn't have time to run in and get my cell phone to take a picture because uh, well, he wasn't planning on seeing it, you know, and, and he didn't have anything with him because in his pajamas. So there you go. Um, so uh, he did finally report it. To, to move on, you know, so they could have it. But I think a lot of people that they stumble across things and they're unprepared for it and they're just kind of mesmerized by the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And I always say, be careful what you wish for because I've worked on some cases where people have wished to meet these entities and uh, then they were not happy with what they received when they finally did show up. Well, Dr. Greer, Stephen Greer, you know, he has his own take on this and group and so forth. And mm -hmm. my understanding is they do get groups together and do meditation for contact to draw them in. And I've seen a couple of photos they posted of supposedly aliens uh, within a portal, I guess. Um, and I don't know how much, um, you know, people would really believe that because a lot of it seems very far-fetched, but then again, if you're not exposed to it all the time, anything looks far-fetched unless you're involved in it all the time. You know, if all you're doing is getting a paycheck on Friday, hitting the bar, shooting some pool, and then going home, it all looks far-fetched. Uh, it's like, you know, trying to fly an F-15 and you've only seen a Piper Cub. I mean, it's just a completely different world. So you got any take on Dr. Greer and his stuff? Because he seems like he's a pretty logical guy. Pretty smart. Well, he is one person that you could go to if you want to safely uh, try to make contact and see craft or maybe even an entity uh, mm -hmm. because he knows how to keep the vibration high. Right. So uh, I say it, it's best to be with someone who keeps that higher vibration um, because you don't want to end up with a reptilian taking you somewhere that's no. not a good thing 
not a good thing at all. And just for the listeners, uh, Dr. Greer is an MD. He was in emergency medicine. He's retired at this point uh, because he's full-time involved in uh, all these phenomenon and trying to get very close to government officials and other people and, and folks on the other side as well. Um, and uh, he knows a tremendous amount of data that a lot of people would like to have, I'm sure. So, Tommy, you got some follow-up questions? Yeah, I was just thinking, um, Kathleen, the people that you've uh, researched, I know in your family's history there, a lot of the information came recalled through hypnosis. As they've evolved, and we're evolving theoretically at least, um, are they able to recall that more consciously, or does it still have to be tapped into through other means? What are you finding? I find that generally, just like with Betty and Barney, people can remember part of it. Um, and, and, uh, but not all of the experience that happened. You might remember three, four minutes, but you've been missing for two hours. And then it's like going into anesthesia and then coming out of anesthesia. Suddenly you're back there and there's, you have no memory of falling back asleep, even though you were awake. You remember that these entities were in your environment. You might remember being uh, whisked away into craft. You might remember being on a table even, but then you're blank. And so um, hypnosis by the right people is very good. But I also warn against hypnosis. I'm a a uh, hypnosis practitioner using forensic hypnosis and the quantum healing hypnosis technique developed by Dolores Cannon over a 40-year period. And the, combining the two of those is uh, very good, I think. So because I do not lead people, I do everything within my power to make sure that people have a true regression, that it's a true memory of what has occurred. Uh, whereas there are people out there who will hypnotize someone who hasn't been taken, but who knows a lot about it and really is a wannabe. They just want this experience and they can develop their own little story of what happened based upon what they've seen or what they're read, they've read. And I've worked for years on um, the study of hypnosis as well. Uh, I've read the academic studies on hypnosis. You can actually read my latest report on my website at kathleen-marden.com. Uh, and you want to have a true regression. It's, it's just not a good idea to go around as a wannabe saying, oh, gee, this is happening to me too. And, and that happens to some people. The other question I had is, I know a lot of the encounters you said earlier, people have more of a, for lack of better, a negative experience, but yet some had a positive experience. For the listeners, what would you say is probably the most positive experience you've heard of? I think the most positive experiences are when there is uh, contact between the ET and the human and both want this contact. So generally uh, it is not being taken to craft. Generally it is 
the human has uh, developed a relationship with these interdimensionals. I had the opportunity to work on an experiment on this with a, a team of researchers, again, using scientific instruments. It's all in my book, Forbidden Knowledge. And um, these, I mean, you can have a very positive relationship because they'll come to you. You can feel a very strong electrical tingling. I think probably just like Betty and Barney had, but these are highly positive fifth and sixth dimensional entities. I've even met a couple of ninth dimensional entities and uh, they uh, will just do really kind things. That you can communicate with them. You can uh, receive information. They'll watch over you almost like a guardian angel in a sense. Um, so they're definitely higher evolved um, individuals who are doing this. I've, I've never actually had one materialize in front of me. I would love to have that happen. I've seen, they've shown me craft, they've shown me orbs uh, and, and us. Uh, we've been able to measure their presence uh, with a laser thermometer. With the fifth and sixth dimensionals, there's about a seven degree increase in the temperature. And with the ninth dimensionals, it's a 10 degree increase in the temperature where they are standing uh, in the room, that particular part of the room. So uh, it is, it was probably the weirdest, I thought I'd never talk about it, but uh, the weirdest experiment I've ever done, but also the most gratifying. It, it's very nice to have that presence that because it's so highly positive. You know, when you talk about these fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, etc., um, dimensions, I think people think that these are higher beings than us. But I always try to remind people: listen, you, your spirit, you were spirit before you came into this bag of bones that you currently inhabit. You chose to come here. Mm -hmm. You have been in these different dimensions, but where you're playing out right now is in a third, going into fourth, as some people say. Blah blah blah. You know, a lot of debate on that. Um, but it's a vibratorial environment mm -hmm. that has certain limitations and we're all compressed into these bodies uh, for obvious reasons. We, we want to learn something. We want to experience emotions. We want to experience all the whole patent place of life. And, um, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people are sucked into the fear. Uh, and I think it's been perpetrated by many religions and, and, like-minded other people and they they fear everything you know and that will certainly keep you in a low vibration if you're fearful correct absolutely fear is what the lower vibrationals feed off the way that these higher dimensionals described it to me is that on their planets they are as solid as we are life is not that much different than it is on earth they uh in the, of course, they're more advanced technologically than we are. They no longer war. They uh, have better treatment for disease. They live longer, uh, that, that sort of thing. So their so societies are more highly developed. Um, but they're, you know, it's just that it is a higher vibration. So the way I explain it to people when they want to know 
what it is, is um, they talk about it in terms of atoms. I'll talk about it in terms of molecules. Think of placing a tray of ice cubes into a pan, and then you heat those ice cubes and they turn into water, okay? Humans are the water. Um, and then uh, the water boils and there is steam. So these are these higher dimensionals. We, if we see them here, uh, oftentimes they uh, are like shadow entities. You can see through them. Um, but then as the molecules become more activated, you cannot even see that steam, but it's still there. Those are the ninth dimensionals. The ninth dimensionals say that they used to have bodies thousands of years ago, but they no longer have bodies, that they've reached the higher dimensions. Uh, reminds me uh, a little bit of uh, the Buddhist teachings in, in India, um, in a sense. So, but you know, that's the way I explain it. And I think that people can understand that. That when we go to their environment, say, you know, we we are in their environment, they can see us, we can see them, we can feel them. Uh, they're as, as real as standing next to another human being. But they have to lower their vibration if they want to be seen here on this planet. Yeah, it's, you know, that's what I tell people with mediumship is, you know, we're here and they're here vibrating and we got to meet in the middle, thus mediumship, you know, and we have one person has to raise, the other has to lower so we can have communication. And whether that's third eye visible or it's hearing whatever, feeling, whatever it may be. But um, what's your take on demons then? I mean, since you just described the high end, what about the low end? What's, what's your take on that? Um, the They are... Uh, just seeking lower vibrating individuals to uh, attach to, to feed off. They feed off uh, fear, off suffering. That's why if they come into your environment and they can manage to attach to you, uh, you become ill. I unfortunately worked with a man in the beginning, this is uh, probably 15 years ago, before I had the level of knowledge that I have now. And he did have uh, demonic attachments and they actually took his life. They fed off him so badly that um, it's, it's really sad. I've studied uh, about uh, the vibrational level with um, some scientific work that was done in India. And in India, they gave people test subjects alcohol and they would measure somehow their vibrational frequency and they discovered that after you have two drinks then your vibrational frequency tends to drop a little bit and they believe that all alcoholics have these attachments these negative entity attachments also, individuals who are in a great deal of pain, people who have a history of depression that's untreated, can also have this happen because these entities are just there to make a feast out of humans, 
human suffering. Yeah. I, and they grow. I totally, totally get what you're saying. Cause I tell them you're like a giant Slurpee and they're just sticking a straw in you and sucking out of you every day. Yes. Um, do you have a, a quick stop remedy to raise your vibration? I mean, everybody has their own gig. Do you have something you tell somebody here's your first aid? Here's how you raise your vibration. Well, I like to do it through chakra meditations. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that really helps you can uh, bring divine light down into your body and uh, you can expand that light into all of the cells in your body to remove any blockages. That's one of the things I offer on my website, in fact. But uh, you can also get these guided meditations to raise the vibration on YouTube if you want to. It's not a, It doesn't cost a penny. Right. So uh, that is where I suggest that people start with this. A lot, some people are worried that they're, you know, this is Buddhist or something. It's not. I, my, one of my best friends is a, has her doctorate. She's a Christian minister. And it was uh, a, a nun who actually taught her how to do this. So yeah, you, I'm totally, totally get that. No yeah, problem. I mean, raising vibration. And when you say bring light in now, like I said, I referred to Joe Sixpack. Well, I don't see no damn light coming into me. What you talking about? I mean, and, you have you know, to bullshit. <laughs> and you know, and you, I can just hear it, you know, because that's where I live. And so, <laughs> God, you know, somebody's making some shit up around here. But what it is, it's within your mind, and it's yes. using, using your imaginative forces, which are real. And if you see it in your mind, you're actually creating that, but not in the third dimension. You're creating that in higher dimensions by accessing your mind, your higher self, whatever. And uh, so I want to clarify that for the listeners. Yes, uh, thanks for yeah. doing that, because yeah. you're you're very, very relaxed. You yeah. have your eyes closed and you're visualizing, bringing this thread of divine light spiraling down from the heavens Absolutely. in through the top of your head. And then you go all the way down um, through the chakras and you root yourself to this planet and you go down to the center of the earth and bring um, sacred earth energy back up as well. Yeah, I think that's coming. What's going to be is that, it, you know, dealing with interdimensional beings if there is all those things that that's proven to be the thing it's going to be through a meditative state you know it's going to be through your consciousness and it, that's already happening we know that with like stargate and other things they had back in the day um that's how you are going to communicate with these other entities so we're i mean could you yes the physical craft yes but i think in the future as if you want to communicate you're going to have to do it through the the third eye or, or beyond. Um, I really feel like that's going to be your primary way to do it because I don't think landing a lot of craft in the numbers necessary to convince the population of something is, is possible. I mean, it can be, I suppose. Um, but I will go back to one lady who did have that craft land in her backyard. She said, she talked to this guy and she goes, the best I could tell you was he looked like Thanos off of the Marvel uh, comics. That's the best you know, description of him. And he was in a kind of a uniform and she asked what he was. He was kind of like a police force. 
And she actually told me what the name of it was. It escapes me right now what the name was, but it was the same exact name. And this gal knew nothing about any of this. I mean, this was not her gig at all, but the same one that the uh, Canadian Prime Minister or Minister of Defense, he's deceased now, the same Confederation of uh, something or another, Intergalactic Federation. I think, yeah, that's what it was, Intergalactic Federation. He told her that he was from that and she called me and she goes, what is that? What, what, what does that even mean? And I said, oh yeah, yeah, that's a thing. That's a real thing. So if you're starting to get those things line up, you know, from here, get a Canadian defense minister who would have access to top classified information. And then you get, you know, a housewife here that's hearing the same thing from a guy who looks like Thanos, you know, and he was very gentle, very nice and gave a little reading about, you know, her, her children and her husband and, you know, so on and so forth. And they were here to help and to make sure we didn't do anything real stupid. But she actually asked him about the pandemic because it was during that. And he didn't know anything about that. He didn't have really any answer for that, which was, I guess, a little surprising, I suppose, if they're really monitoring that close, that's something. But I don't know if it was the word that he didn't understand or just what, you know, but mm -hmm. who knows. But you get all that. It's nothing you haven't heard a thousand times. You do. You do. And um, it, it reminds me of a woman in Maine. And this happened to her in 1954. And uh, she was a neighbor of Admiral, or he was actually a rear admiral, we called him Admiral Knowles. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had retired and uh, she had this entity just materialize in front of her and give her information. And then they started giving her information all the time and I mean, every day and disturbing her sleep at night. And so she finally had to arrange a time of day to take their information. So uh, she had a huge packet of information and she didn't know what to do with it. So she took it to Admiral Knowles and she said, uh, would you look this over? I think that it's important. And if you think it's important, please pass it on to the people who need to have it. So he read it and this was a, a housewife with only a high school education, but it was it had advanced scientific information that she couldn't possibly have known. He passed it on to Margaret Chase Smith, who was the Senator in Maine, and she took it to Washington to Dwight Eisenhower. And uh, it ended up uh, uh, Wilbert Smith, the UFO guy from the Canadian government uh, was in on this, the, uh, the FBI, the CIA, the Navy and the Air Force. And uh, it was quite an experiment. That's the reason that I agreed to do this experiment that I talked about working on to, I wanted to learn more and I thought, well, heck, if they can do it, I can do it too. It's Absolutely. not that embarrassing, I guess. Yeah. Having worked in government, I can tell you, if you can do it, they can, they can do it. And they're no different than anybody else. So um, all three letter words and stuff. So uh, yeah, so you know, this is fascinating. Tell me you got a final wrap up question here. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, it's coming more mainstream just this week in the news was uh, broadcast about a green triangle over Las Vegas was caught on a body camera and people with their ring doorbells were picking up sounds and such that coincided with the timing. 
So I think you'll hopefully with your research, more people will come forward and share their stories. So it won't be as difficult to dig up the proper resources to get at the truth. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And pay attention to uh, what's being written by people like Lef Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal, because uh, people from the government who uh, are whistleblowers who uh, have hit verifiable high level positions in the federal government are beginning to come forward more. And one just came forward last weekend with some uh, information about uh, crash saucers and uh, our possession of these materials. Fascinating. We can talk for hours. This is so cool. <laughs> um, Kathleen, do you, what do you want to leave, uh, leave the audience with? I mean, obviously, tell us your website again, but then what do you want to leave the audience with? Well, I want to say that most of these entities are fine. Um, they're not here to harm us. So I think that's important. And, and for anyone that might be here to harm us, they keep them at bay. Um, my website is kathleen-martin.com. If you'd like to know where I'm going to be speaking this year, uh, it's on the website. Also, Dr. Melanie Barton and I are working on a, a survey that is on my website on uh, religious belief and extraterrestrial life. Anyone can fill it out. We'd greatly appreciate it if you would do that. Um, we're looking for a thousand people to do this before we uh, can uh, have people do the statistical analysis on it for us. And it will be published in a new book, but it's going to be completely confidential. Don't worry about us revealing your identity. We won't even know your identity. So uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Oh yeah, well, we appreciate you. And uh, Tom, you have a wrap up statement? Yeah, Kathleen, I was just going to ask, would you mind spelling your first and last name? Because some people that uh, their listeners not visual, so they're not going to see this. Yes, absolutely. It's K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N dash M-A-R-D-E-N dot com for my website. Awesome. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your time with us today. This has been really insightful and and good luck with this research. If you get some more stuff, by all means, come on back and let's do it again. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with both of you. And folks, uh, check out the metaphysicalmysteries.com. We will have all the link ups for Kathleen's information. And if you have anything you want to share, we will take that in and get it back out to everybody. So from all of us here at the Metaphysical Mysteries, we want to thank Kathleen for showing up and Tommy and I'll be back with another amazing guest. Have a great day.